Good morning, online community. It's great to have you with us here today and uh, Gathering Place Church. Uh, my name is John, I'm the pastor of the church here. And we are in a series simply called Hope. And every generation deals with different degrees and measures of hopelessness. And Jesus is always the answer. And uh, when we all come together and as you join us online, everybody's always in a different place in their struggle in life. Like, I would like to ask all the perfect people to please leave because you get us uncomfortable, okay? If you're perfect, please slip on out. Yeah, all right. There goes our girls. What's your name? All right, we got a couple out here. All right, good. Now that they're out, the rest of us who are struggling through life and clinging onto that rope of hope that Gary talked about, when we come into worship here, a lot of times you can feel like you're the only one that's struggling and uh, everybody else has got a perfect life because we're smiling, we're, you know, we've got our Bibles, we're singing hallelujah. But look, this is just where we come to get into the presence of God to get hope for life. And so you never know what's going on with the person sitting next to you. The people that are smiling could be having a real struggle on the inside. We've been experiencing some deliverances. That means people are getting free from things lately that are so awesome. A couple young men last week were so moved on by God that they got baptized, water baptized in their clothes. I've been wanting to see that for a long time. I've been like, God, I want the gospel to be so powerful that somebody gets so moved. They're like, I just want to get baptized right now. And we got two of them last week. One of them, amen, go ahead. So one of them, right before Pastor Mark comes up to take us into the next teaching in our hope series, um, I, I asked a young man named James to come up and just share what happened with him last week. So uh, what happened to the microphone that was right there? Oh, there we go. All right, so we're going to use this one right here. James, come on up and uh, just give us a little... Uh, insight into where you were at in your head and your heart when you came to church last Sunday and then what happened with you? Well, when it, when it's like an, like an ice cream cone. Treat it like an ice cream cone. Don't lick it, um, but almost, okay? There you go. So when I came, you know, I, I wasn't happy to come to church or sad to go to church, neither. Just kind of in between. I started worshiping and I didn't really feel anything. Uh, kind of confused, and I wasn't mad or anything still, and then something John said, he was talking about um, how in other countries, um, they go to church, and so many people get saved, and I kind of got jealous, I got upset, because for the past year or two, I've been trying and trying and trying, and it feels like God didn't want my attention, or he didn't want me, or he didn't, whatever, and I kind of started talking to him, like, you know what, God, like, you, you call people up on stage all the time, you save them, you deliver them, and you, you, you're going to need that, to do that to me today, or I'm going to practically get up out of church and never come back. Um, that's when um, Gary started speaking about the deliverance, and he kind of said, uh, it's when he, he said that there's somebody who has a relationship with God who's just constantly mad at them, and... Um, because you're doing good in faith, and then you flee, and then it's just an off and on thing. And I got it in my head, and I was like, well, that's me. And then still, I was mad at God, and I told him, but you're not going to do anything about it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he, that's when, shortly after he said that we're all going to pray together, do a deliverance prayer, and I was like, well, that's not calling me up on stage, still kind of calling God out, saying, you know what, like, it, it's not what I want, and it's not, it's not going to do it. And then um, finally, he finally said, if you, if you want to come up here and pray, then you, you can. So I kind of jumped up, and I was like, you know what? This is my last opportunity. If you don't do it here, I'm gone. And that's it. Five minutes in, um, we stopped the prayer, and he's like, how, how do you feel? And I felt still hopeless. I was like, honestly, I, I don't feel any different. And he said, well, let's keep going. And then, Let's keep going. Uh, Sometimes you just got to keep going, right? At one point, I just got this feeling to start breathing hard, hard, and he said, well, there it is. It's coming now. And from that second on, it was just amazing. My body buckled. Like, it doesn't sound amazing. I, I couldn't feel my body 
It was um, vibrating, my hands buckled up. But at that point, as soon as that happened, I had hope and I knew that everything was going to be okay. It was just amazing. <laughs> uh, come here, man. Come here. Thank, you for your, thank you for your transparency, your humility, your honesty. We really all, God has grace for the humble. And uh, your humility is everything. And uh, just really, I really respect your, your pressing in. And um, people say there's no hope for this next generation. But every generation says that about the next generation. But Jesus always shows up. And that's what Pastor Mark. Okay, do you know of a scripture, First Chronicles twelve thirty two? Does anyone in the room know what First Chronicles twelve thirty two deals with? This has proven that there are no perfect people in this church. <laughs> Not one person. You know, I'm, I'm giving you a bad time. I, I couldn't tell you myself what it was. I had to look it up. This message I'm about to bring is. Uh, a study, really, it's a survey of three generations in our church. The, the young people will define as our high school and to about 20, 25. Then our middle-aged people in that chunk from, say, 30 to 55, something like that. And then the old people <laughs> who've lost the will to live. Can't eat like I used to, can't sleep like I used to. Everything's bad. I've lost hope. James, will you pray for me? <laughs> so three generations. We're going to look at three generations and see what the survey shows us and take some lessons from it. But this kind of sermon that it is, it's, it's really about the men of Issachar. Here's how God commended the men of Issachar. He said, they're men, and anytime you see men in the Bible, it means women too, okay? So just understand that. So men and women who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Knew the times. They didn't, in, in other words, they didn't need a prophetic word from the Lord to know what to do. All they had to do was look around them. And we're living in an age where we don't need a lot of prophetic words about what's going wrong. We can see what's going wrong. Any rational, semi-intelligent person can look around and say, we're in deep trouble. But what can Israel do about it? What can we do about it? There's two aspects to the men of Issachar. There's understanding the problem and there's understanding what to do about it. So we're going to look at the three generations, what they value, and uh, with five questions. And then we're going to uh, compare and contrast and find ourselves within this survey. And then see what God has to say to us about it. Are you ready? Okay, so there's five questions we asked, and here they are. What would you say to other generations about what brings hope to your generation? And then the second question, what are the things that contribute to your generation losing hope and causing you to struggle? Number three, what do you think your generation can contribute to the other generations? Four, what do you think other generations can contribute to your generation? And five, what do you think God is saying to your generation? Now, a summary of all the answers can be found on the website. I'm glad our, our sample size wasn't too big because it took me hours and hours to go through all of the answers and to categorize them and to arrange them into categories and figure out what they were saying. We will never do another sermon like this again. <laughs> Only a young person has the energy to do a sermon like this again. Anyway. Thank you to my wife Shelley and to Mary Poplava who organized a lot of the materials and supervised this survey. I couldn't do it and didn't want to, and they're wonderful. Okay, what would you say to other generations about what brings your generation hope? And we're starting with the youngest generation in the middle. All the answers will be youngest, middle, and oldest.
So our younger generation loves Jesus. They love going to church. Because of Jesus, they have purpose in their lives, for many for the first time. They're excited about what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst them. Look, the miracle in all this is the answer, what gives you hope, and the answer is going to church. A young person that actually says going to church really makes me happy and gives me a sense of purpose, that's clear-cut evidence that the Holy Spirit is involved. That is not humanly possible. As all you Sunday school teachers and parents know, and all you teenagers know, oftentimes church seems like a very boring place. But it isn't. It isn't these days because the Holy Spirit is involved. And that's wonderful. Okay, the middle generation, what gives them hope? This is really encouraging. They derive hope from their relationship with God. They're relationally centered, which is a wonderful thing. Knowing him and seeing and this, knowing him and seeing what he's doing in the youth. In the younger generation. Guys, isn't that interesting? I find that utterly unselfish. Where you're taking joy in what's happening to another generation. It's not all about me. Look, look, look what's happening to these people. And, and I think what's happening in, in our young people is giving hope to everybody in this room. I've been praying for the last two years, saying to the Lord, we need another move of your spirit amongst the young. If we don't get a, a move of your spirit amongst the young, this country's finished. Amen. That's amen that's a of Issachar observation. If we don't have a, a vast change... And I'm praying for tens of millions of young people, not just a few, but millions and millions and millions to be swept into the kingdom of God. Because that's the only hope for this country's future. So the middle generation is taking great joy in what they see happening to the younger generation. That alone gives us a great sense of hope. They're excited about seeing transformed lives. Now, the older generation, that's mine, by the way. So I can speak with an expert, as an expert on, on this subject. What do we take hope in? Remembering how faithful God has been throughout our lives. I'm just going to tell you this story. It's personal, but I wasn't going to say this. But when I was about 30, I desperately wanted to have children. I could not imagine my life without children. And then I found out that my wife couldn't have children and we were never going to have kids. And I just, I, I had this panic. I had this fear and this horrible sense that my life would be incomplete. And I was praying in the back room about it and I said, God, I just, this is just so bad. I don't know what to do. I'm never going to have children and he said, well, what are you afraid of? He said, what, be specific. What's the fear? And I said, being 65 years old and being alone and not having anyone that cares about me. And he asked me a really good question. He said, how have I been so far? <laughs> he said, how have I been so far? And I thought about it. They want to be honest with the Lord whenever possible. I said, uh, You've been incredible. You've been amazing. I mean, just, I can't imagine anything better than knowing you. And he said, what makes you think it's going to be any different when you're old? Fear just left, gone, hasn't ever come back. Look back over my life and all I see is a track record of mercy and faithfulness and love, none of which I deserved or earned. Just his pure, kind grace. Gives us hope when we look back and we see, hey, we're still here. I'm still functional. And we also, maybe I'm going to be competitive, but I think us older people are even more excited by what's happening with the young people than the middle-aged people, who I don't think are really Christians anyway. <laughs> Serious doubts about it. <laughs> 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 
The old people are just as excited about what's happening to you guys as anybody else in this church. I mean, we talk about you behind your backs. But it's all good. All good. Next question, what are the things... Now, this is interesting. What are the things that contribute to your generation losing hope and struggling? Now, it's, here's what's interesting. They're the same answers for all three generations. I did not think that would be the case. The same issues were listed by every generation as the things that cause us to lose hope. And here, some of them are. School shootings, violence, corrupt politicians... Corrupt government, sagging economy, drugs. And here's one that shocked me, the internet and social media. I thought all you guys were addicted to social media. It turns out many of our young people are saying the same thing. We are like, it's a wasteland. Gender confusion the general moral decay of our society. Our younger generation is also concerned about climate change. Our middle generation shares the same concerns as listed, especially the violence and the corruption and the decay of our moral fiber. But they had an interesting one. They added this, unanswered prayers. Unanswered prayers. Gary, what you just said. Losing hope having things we've been praying for for years, not seeing an answer and be, losing hope and becoming discouraged and then the temptation to, to give, give up or the temptation to be simply skeptical. Our oldest generation is concerned about the Christian faith in America, people working for God without knowing him. Oh, that breaks my heart. You know, you can work for someone and never know them, like the head of the company, the president. You can be working for them, but you've never really gotten to know them. Churches that don't value the gifts of the Holy Spirit, thinking they can change society with style and being contemporary and being relevant without power. Good luck with that. It won't work. We've tried it. So we all share those same concerns. I don't, know that, I don't know why it makes me so happy that we all share the same concerns. But, but it does. Because once, yeah, you're in one mind and, 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 and when you start to look at the answers, you share the answers as well as the problem. We can have a plan together. We can, we can know what we're going to pray for together. What does your generation have to contribute to the other generations? Okay, this is, we're going to get a little preachy here. Because some of these are really, really like. Our youngest generation sees its contribution to the older generations as two things. News, new perspectives and new ideas. That's number one. Anybody here need new perspectives and new ideas? Or are we utterly and completely stuck in our ways? Staying fresh and open. The trouble with aging is you make your mind up. You do. And once your mind is made up, nobody's going to talk you out of your opinion. Your precious, well-loved, nurtured and protected opinion. I, I hate to break this to you people. Here's bad news. Your opinion is just that. Okay? It's your opinion. It's not capital T truth. No one's interested. They don't care. Keep your keep keep your worshipped opinion to yourself. I'm just teasing. <laughs> no, she's not. My 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 wife is not interested in my opinion. She's interested in my unconditional love, honey. I love you. She's watching right now. She's probably typing as a comment. 
My husband is an utter idiot. And, and this is not just my opinion. Ask anyone else in the church. They'll agree with me. <laughs> if you can't have fun with the survey people, what can you have fun with? So lighten up. Your opinion is just your opinion. New perspectives and new ideas, they keep us young. Hanging out with you guys keeps us young. It hurts, it's horrible, it's painful, but it keeps us young. <laughs> and number two, number two, helping them to understand acceptance. Issue? Being accepting? Do you know, the younger generation right now was raised on the idea of tolerance, and it was raised on the idea of acceptance. And we're not very good at either of those things, the rest of us. Because we have our opinions. Because our mind is made up. And you know what? Because we're right almost all the time. Did you know that being right all the time is not all it's cracked up to be? You know, you can be in a relationship with somebody and the more you're right all the time, the worse the relationship. Have you ever noticed that? Did, did you notice something about God? He's right all the time. He's right all the time. But does he lord it over us and continually remind us of how right he is and how wrong we are? He's so interesting. He's right all the time and he doesn't have to be right all the time. Right? Because if you decide you're going to be right all the time and you're in a relationship, very soon your correctness and rightness will destroy the relationship. Are you with me? I just find God so interesting. He, he is so patient with his opinions. He only, he only dishes out truth when he knows it will have some use. He waits for the right moment to give it because he knows in that moment it can actually bring change. But if I say it too soon, they'll just put up their defenses and back up and, and back off and it'll be another several years before I get a chance to speak this to them again. His sense of timing is amazing. Right? Look, you've been doing bad stuff for a long time and he hasn't talked to you about it yet. But he's going to. But when he does, there's a chance you might hear him. He's real smart about that. Is it possible... Is it possible to really accept someone who you know is absolutely wrong? Hmm? Is it possible to accept someone who is absolutely wrong? How many, how many parents of teenagers in this room? Well, I'm sure at least part of the time you're certain that your kid is absolutely wrong because you know better, and you do. And telling them how wrong they are has really accomplished a great deal, hasn't it? <laughs> doesn't work. It doesn't work. We get, look, defensiveness is the automatic human reaction to the truth. It's the human reaction to the truth. We've got to find, we've got to find a way to accept people just as who they are and start there and value the relationship ahead of almost anything else. Because as long as the relationship is intact, we have hope that we will see change. But once we damage the relationship, there is no avenue for change. And the younger generation is very good at accepting those they disagree with. And we're not. We have to change. Yeah, please. Well, you do that. I'm pulling out this text yeah, I want there, to read. There was a pauser. You know what it makes me think of uh, is 
There's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Luke 15, 1. It says, the notorious sinners loved, often they often came to hear Jesus teach. And he would eat with them. But the Pharisees were angry that Jesus hung out with sinners. There's something about Jesus that was so accepting. Of course, he didn't accept the sinfulness, but he accepted them. Jesus was so accepting that the worst of sinners enjoyed being around him and hearing his truth. So his acceptance was so captivating that they wanted to hear what he had to say. The Pharisees were right all the time, and the sinners did not want anything to do with them. Isn't that interesting? Yes. I don't want to. I don't want to teach anymore. <laughs> yeah, what he said. Let me read you this. John. John reads my messages before I give them. Yes, he does always. And not always, but most of the time. And then he sends me scripture passages I should have used. And he's right. And I don't like it. But here's one he gave, and I really do like it. It really fits this point. Thank you. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. And slow to become angry. For man's... Oh, yeah, so good. It was an accident that you picked this. I could have picked it myself. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. It's like being right all the time with people. It, most of the time doesn't bring about the result we're looking for. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so prevails. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. If that's not a formula for how to handle relationships, I don't know what is. One psychologist said this, the experience of being listened to and the experience of feeling love is the same. It, I put it this way, to listen is to love and to love is to listen. The greatest compliment you can pay someone is that you take seriously what they're saying and you actually listen to them. And listening opens the door to change and influence, influence and change. Make sense? Yeah. And the younger generation sees them helping us to get there. So they clearly see the problem. <laughs> and they're willing to be part of the solution, which is pretty wonderful. Middle generation, what do you see contributing to the other generations? And they said... Wisdom, our experience, emotional maturity, encouragement, and love. And it is the desire to see the younger generation reach higher heights than we did. Bill Johnson put it this way, our, our ceiling should become their floor. Wherever we ended up, we want them to start there and go on from there. The older generation sees its contribution as communicating and modeling the value of community, relationships. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more precious relationships are to me and the least important the other things are. Yeah. I just, it's just like, I, we were talking the other day, Jim and I, Mary's husband, and we both said, you know, the older we get, the more... Our friendships and our circle of friends means everything to us. And we understand that because, you see, when you're young, you've got ambition and you've got energy and you're after stuff. You're after, you know, accomplishment or whatever. 
And then you get it, and, you're after, and then you're after spending it and enjoying it. But you reach a point where you've got it, you've enjoyed it, you've spent it, and what comes next? And it comes next who you do all these things with and what they mean to you. Relationships. See, as we're all moving towards heaven, we're moving towards the ultimate relationship. He's the ultimate relationship. We're going to spend eternity. See, he's heaven. It's not a place. Heaven's a person. It's only heaven because he's there. It's only heaven. It's eternal life that goes on forever. But if it weren't for him being in that eternal life, that eternal life going on forever ever would be hell. It's only him that makes it heaven. So we're on our way to the perfect relationship. But as we get closer to it, we begin to understand the relationships around us are precious. Because in many ways, that's all that matters. Does that make sense? And the older people, we understand that because we've gone through those, others, those stages of life and been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But I don't have perfect relationship T-shirt yet. What do you think other generations can contribute to yours? Don't put it on yet. Don't, don't go here. Okay, good. What do you think... Okay, everybody. What do you think the younger generation is looking for? What can the other generations contribute to them? What are they looking for? What matters most to them from us? Love and acceptance? No. It's not there. Sorry, you were wrong. I was right, you were wrong. Okay, keep... Huh? Who said wisdom? Wisdom. Wisdom's the number one thing they're looking for from us. Basic life skills and advice about how to deal with the struggles they're facing because they know we went through them. That's, that's wisdom that comes from experience. That's human wisdom. Then there's the wisdom that comes from God, which is supernaturally transmitted. But we're pretty good at that too because we've been listening for a long time to get our, over our own issues. But what they're looking for from us, the older generation, is wisdom and experience. Guys, I find that super comforting. But Yeah, because one of my fears in growing old is becoming irrelevant. See, I've been, I've, I have this great opportunity as a teacher and pastor to be relevant to people's lives, but you fear the older you get, you're just going to get trashed, you're going to get dumped on the heap, and you're not relevant anymore, and what's left to live for? Well, in my case, football, of course. But not everyone has a false god that they can rely on like that. You came here today, no one forced you, you're stuck with us. You can get up and walk out, but then you'll feel bad later. Just put up with me. It's going to get better. Relevance. We still have something to say and we really want to help. And all you got to do, younger people, all you got to do is ask. Just say, I need to spend some time with you. I need to know. I've got a problem. I'm not sure about what to do. I don't know how to handle it. Have you ever been through anything like this? The answer is always yes, because <laughs> we've had a lot of life. Sitting down with Uncle Phil. Down with Uncle Phil. There's a good uh, promotion for that evening with Phil. Middle generation. What is the middle, middle generation looking for from the other generations? This is interesting. Same thing. They're seeking wisdom. That's smart. New ideas, which is what the younger people want to bring anyway. Right? See the fit? And the ability to take risks. That's really interesting. I'm surprised to see that one. The ability to take risks. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Faith is R-I-S-K. When you stop taking risks, you stop exercising the faith muscle. And they want help. Taking risks. And young people are really good at risks. They kind of live to take risks. They've got something to teach us. Is 
This is, I love this summary from the middle generation. From the older generation, they want wisdom. From the younger generation, they want passion. Excellent. The older generation is looking for new perspectives, letting them know they're still relevant and valuable, and they want to be asked for their advice and counsel. So don't feel bad if you're younger and, and you've you got, you got a problem and you want some insight. Don't feel bad going and asking an older person for it. They're ready to do it and they want to. It fulfills them to be able to take from what they learned and give it to someone else and know it makes a difference. Isn't that cool? They actually, this is one answer, they want to be asked to pray for the younger generations. You need somebody praying for you? We have nothing else to do. We're old. And we don't sleep at night, hardly ever. And it's either play hearts in my iPad or it's pray for you guys. Or bingo. Or, yeah, getting on one of those casino apps and just going nuts all night. We don't have anything else to do, so ask us to pray for you. Enlist the help of these pathetic older people. Throw us a bone. Oh, here's one. My group is going to really appreciate this. They want to tell their stories and be listened to. Keep it up. You're doing well. Keep it up. What do you think God is saying to your generation? The youngest generation said, God's telling us we are the future and we will see God do great things and that we need to step out and evangelize. Oh, I love this one. Psst. Josiah, this is a direct quote from your generation. What do you think God is saying to your generation? Stop being idiots. Thank you, Josiah. That was a good quote. When I saw that one from him, I laughed out loud. I thought, I'm going to quote that right in front of him at church on Sunday. Follow Jesus and stop being idiots. That had to be the Lord. <laughs> Middle generation is hearing God to tell them to be present to the young, to guide, mentor, and love them. Excellent. The older generation is hearing God saying that there's no such thing as spiritual retirement. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement. Finish well. Find someone to pick up where you left off. Be mothers and fathers to the younger generations. When I see, when I talk with you guys, and hang out with you, and I hear your life stories. And I'm not trying to point fingers, but it's just the truth. Some of you have had terrible parents. It just hasn't been done very well. And you're fatherless and motherless in many ways. And you really need someone to father and mother you well. That's not true for everybody, but, you know, there are no perfect parents. Do you understand? No matter how good your dad was, he failed in some ways. No matter how wonderful your mother was, she failed in some ways. But part of the wonder of the church, of the collected community of God's people, is that there are mothers and fathers here that didn't make the same mistakes as yours did. Who can be strong for you in ways your mom or dad couldn't. And as we listen to one another and get to know one another and hear one another's life stories and spend some time together just talking and listening, we find out where the holes are and where the needs are and we find out that, yeah, I have something I can give on this point. And we make up through one another what we didn't get directly. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the key and the thing that makes that all possible is some time spent together and listening. You'll learn to be accepting if you're older and they'll get the wisdom you have to give. And that makes God really, really happy. Wisdom is what the younger generation desires most. At the same time, they see their 
contribution is helping the older generations to be accepting of those they disagree with. What a win-win. Isn't this God the win-win God? God of opportunities. Okay. Get any idea what to do with this? Okay. Because I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Can we thank Mark for the word today? Yeah. So here's what I want to do. And I want to... Um, well, something for, for I'm going to say, uh, say two generations. This is all be in the older or the younger generation. And that bridge is uh, something that Jesus is always trying to build because one generation is to transfer to the next generation, right? So Moses lays hands on Joshua, and then Moses dies and Joshua goes into the promised land. He's the captain of the army of Israel. Elijah lays hands on Elisha, Elisha gets a double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah, one generation to the next. And Elisha, if you read the miracles, literally did twice the amount of miracles as Elijah did. Isn't that interesting? And uh, Jesus lays hands on his disciples. Paul laid hands on Timothy and transfers to the next generation. So that Satan always tries to break down the bridge between the two generations. He's always trying to um, create strife between the moms and dads and the kids, the grandparents, the grandchildren, etc. And so we need to protect that bridge. The next thing for, for, for young people, listen, for the younger generation. The greatest, one of the greatest examples in the Bible of one generation transferring to the next is David and Solomon. Solomon was 20 years old when he became the king of Israel. So grab a hold of this because we're going to stand in a minute and we're going to worship and we're going to receive from God. Solomon was 20 years old when King David, who was the greatest king that Israel ever had, died. Solomon panicked because now he's 20 years old how many of you 18 19 20 year olds 15 16 how many of you are fearful of your future you're like what the heck am i going to do with my life just raise your hand just be honest like what what am i yeah man i was when i was 18 19 20 years old there's this anxiety it's like well what's my occupation going to be what's my future going to be like how am i going to get a job that's actually going to pay the bills how am i ever going to buy a home how am i going to be ready for a husband or a wife how am i going to be a parent i I mean you just really panic this is solomon's situation he was panicking so he cried out to god and that night when he was sleeping god appeared to him in a dream and he said ask ask me what do you want now there were two sources of wisdom that solomon got one was from david and bathsheba all these proverbs that you read most of them were written by solomon but they were wisdom passed down from his mom and dad that's the wisdom book proverbs but then there was the supernatural source of wisdom that solomon got from god directly He cried out, God, I'm in trouble. I'm 20 years old and I don't know what I'm doing. That night, God appears to him a dream and says, ask, what do you want? And Solomon said, I need wisdom. I need understanding. And God says, I'm giving it to you. Literally dropped the wisdom of God into that 20-year-old's heart. And Solomon was known from that day forward as the wisest man who has ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. Young people, if you will cry out to God, He will answer you. And He will drop divine wisdom into your heart that's beyond your mom and dad or your grandma and grandpa. There's natural wisdom that comes through experience that you need, but then there's the supernatural wisdom that comes directly from God. He's the God of hope, and He's your God too. So let's all stand. And let's just get up back into the presence of God. Let's see Him as the God of hope. Cry out to Him for wisdom. Cry out to God for your need. Let's lift up our voices in here to the God of hope.
And in this moment we're worshiping, he's going to begin dropping divine wisdom into your heart. Come on, let's worship him. He's awakening the hope in me by calling forth my destiny. He's breathing life into my soul. I will thirst for Him and Him alone. He has come like the rain. The showers on the barren plain. So my heart and tongue confess. Jesus Christ, the hope of man. My hope is in you, God. I am steadfast. I will not be moved. I may could never shaken. All my hope is in you. He's awakening the hope in me by calling forth my destiny. He's breathing life yeah, into my soul. I will thirst, thirst for Him. And He, he has come like the rain. The showers on the barren place. So my heart, and so my heart, and tongue confess. Let's see that. Jesus Christ, the hope of me, my hope is in you, God. I am steadfast, I will not be moved. I'm anchored, never shaken. All my hope is, sing it again, my hope is in you. All my hope is in you, God. I am steadfast. I will not be moved. I'm anchored, never shaken. All my hope is in you. Why so downcast? Why so downcast? Oh, oh, my soul, put your hope in God alone. Why so downcast? Oh, oh, my soul, put your hope in God alone. Why so downcast? Oh, oh, my soul, put your hope in God alone. Why so downcast? Oh, oh, my soul, put your hope in Why so downcast? Why so downcast? Oh, oh, my soul, put your hope in God alone. Why so downcast? Put your hope in God alone. Why so downcast? Oh, oh. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Come on. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Let hope arise. Hope arise. My hope. Because my hope is in you, God. I am steadfast. I will not be moved. I'm anchored, never shaken. All my hope is in. One more time, every voice. Because my hope is in you, God. I am steadfast, I will not be moved, I'm anchored, never shaken, all my hope is in 
sometimes um, there is no hope outside the power of God so thank God the power of God is in this room so I'm going to call the prayer teams up and they're available to pray with you there are people every Sunday who get something broken off of them or broken out of them or some kind of a breakthrough by the power of God. Not all things can be solved through ingenuity, through an extra bit of money, a new relationship, a new job. Sometimes you need the power of God, and that's available to you today. Some of you, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ before. The only way your destiny is going to change from hell to heaven is through receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible says money does not profit in the day of judgment. The Bible says that your good works will not get you entrance into heaven. It is only by the free forgiveness that God will give to you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. I am the way, the life, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you've never given your life to Jesus before, when the prayer teams come up, you come on up and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I need, I, I need to know I'm going to heaven when I die. That can be taken care of today by the power of the gospel. If you need physical healing in your body, you could get a miracle of healing today. All you have to do is move out from your chair and come up and let somebody pray with you. Some of you may need a word of encouragement. The Holy Spirit will speak through one of these prayer team members and you might get a word from God today that changes your life. So I'm going to ask the prayer teams, move out from your seats. Prayer teams, please come up front now. And if you need prayer, you slip out from your seats and you come up. Maybe some of you need to rededicate your life to Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus at one time in your life, but you just have fallen away. But you're here today. That means that you want to come home. If that's you, you slip out from your chair, you come up and say, I need to give my life back to Jesus. This hope that, Je- that Mark, uh, Gary was talking about, your hope being restored, some of you have lost hope and you need to come up for prayer and let God restore your hope. So Josh is going to lead us back in prayer a little bit. This volume is going to be a little bit softer. And if you need prayer, move out from your seats and come up front and let these people begin to pray for you and let the power of God begin to flow in this place. The service is officially over. You're welcome to stay and worship. Come up for prayer. You're welcome to slip out. But God bless you. The peace of Christ rest upon you and your family this week. God bless.